Good morning. <laughs> We'd like to welcome you here on this sunny Sunday morning. Are we thankful for the sun, everyone? Yay. It's been so long. Yes, here's the sun. Please stand and join us as we praise our God together.
How can it be the one who died has borne our sin through sacrifice to conquer every sting of death? Sing, sing hallelujah. For joy awakes as dawning light when Christ's disciples lift their eyes. Alive he stands, their friend and king, Christ, Christ he is risen. Christ is risen, he's risen indeed. Doubt and darkness once had been, they saw him and their hearts believed. The last are those who have not seen, yet sing hallelujah. Once bound by fear, now bold in faith, they preach the truth and power of grace, and pouring out their lives they gain life. Life everlasting. Christ is risen, he's risen indeed. Oh, sing hallelujah. Join the chorus, sing with the redeemed. Christ is risen, he's risen indeed. The power that raised him from the grave now works in us to powerfully save. He leaves our hearts to live His grace. Go tell of His goodness. Christ is risen, He's risen indeed.
shepherd king, you lead us by still waters, hallelujah, you We celebrate that you have risen from the dead and you've given us life. Let our worship bring glory to you and lead us into deeper relationship with you. And We ask this through Christ. Amen. I invite you to take a moment, share a word of greeting with others who are here in worship today. There are a number of inserts in your bulletin. Um, one of them is about uh, missions weekend. Next weekend uh, is our special missions emphasis. Uh, Romy Caringale will be here to speak. And there's uh, also a, a gathering on Saturday morning, 10 to noon. We'd love to have you be a part of that. You can sign up in the back as you leave today. Just give us an idea. If you don't sign up, you can still come. But it just helps with planning for the food for this event. And uh, we'll be gathering for that Saturday and then Sunday morning and evening. There's also an insert about 30-hour famine. Love to have you be a part of supporting our youth group as they raise money for World Vision. And uh, I know this might not apply to all of you if you're a college student and you're not going to be here during May or the summer. But if you are going to be around, community member or uh, year-round resident, if you are uh, or a college student is going to be here, we, we'd love to have your help in the nursery, children's church, 
And uh, you can see the forms in there about uh, signing up to be a part of that. We uh, also, just a reminder, this Wednesday, we're back on regular schedule for Wednesday activities for children, youth, and adults. And uh, we are pleased to welcome this morning uh, Reverend Dr. Joey Jennings, who is our district superintendent. He oversees the 33 churches that are part of Western New York and the Wesleyan Church. And he's going to be sharing with us this morning. We, we appreciate his leadership, along with, along with his wife, Mary Beth. And we're thrilled to have them here this morning as we, uh, they join us for worship. The ushers are going to come and assist us in giving our tithes and offerings. Join the assembly, stars in the canopy, the trees of the field, mountains make way. A nation of royalty, once held in slavery, rising to offer their praise. All who are weary, come to the fountain. All who are broken, open your eyes, behold your God, beautiful beyond description, author of a great salvation, mystery that Children of purity, you dance over darkness and walk over death. This world cannot hold you, no evil can harm you. Your life is safe in his hands. All who are weary, come to the fountain. All who are
quite some time we have been using the altar rail as a place for those who want to come and pray. And there's nothing magical about the altar rail, but there is something sometimes about kneeling when we pray and the posture in which we pray. And so this morning as we pray together, if you would like to come and kneel and use the altar rail as your place of prayer, please join me. Eternal Father, we come to this moment of prayer because in a world that is shaking and trembling, we seek stability. In a noisy world, we, we need inner peace. In a world of great fear, we, we want courage. In a world of rising and falling empires, we crave a vision of your eternal kingdom. As we gather in this moment, there's a lot in our, on our minds and in our hearts. In this moment of silence, hear our prayers. Father, we pray for peace in this world. We ask you to hold back the forces and systems of evil. Encourage every person who is working for justice 
and good. We pray that this will be the desire of the leaders of this world and let it start with the leaders of this nation and the nations that we represent. We pray for your church. Unite your people where there are threats of division. Lead your people to the truths of your word rather than the the fallibility of our human understandings. Protect your church from attacks from the inside and from outside. May your people be known by the loving spirit of Christ. Father, make us a church committed to love you and to love one another. Give us your vision, your wisdom, your spirit of generosity, your grace, that we might continually bear witness to Christ in this place. And in this place, heal our diseases, comfort our grieving souls, make us known as people who forgive one another and who care for one another. Fill our minds with your truth and fill our hearts with your love. Fill our souls with your spirit. Father, we pray for the team that's going to be going to Haiti this week. Prepare them and pour out your blessing upon them that their time there would be fruitful and productive far beyond what they might be planning. Do miraculous work as they surrender their selves and their, and their gifts to you. Father, we pray for, for Joey and Mary Beth as they lead us and the churches in our district. Give them wisdom and grace. Help them as they, as they deal with a variety of circumstances. Fill them with your spirit. Continually open their hearts to you that they might lead us to open our hearts to you. Father, for all of us, kindle our faith. Make us sensitive to you and to your spirit. Strengthen us in our troubles and send us out in your power and in your might. And we pray all of this through Christ who teaches us the model for prayer, which now we pray together. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Our reading this morning is from Matthew, chapter 6. Verses 25 through 34. Could we stand for the reading of the gospel? And why do you worry about clothes? See how the lilies of the field grow. They do not labor or spin. 
Yet I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was dressed like one of these. If that is how God clothes the grass of the field, which is here today and tomorrow is thrown into the fire, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? So do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. The word of the Lord. Just another song, more than one more melody, maybe what we need is silence, maybe what we need is to be still, and listen for the still small voice, cause we don't want to Jesus, now we lean in closer, and we wait. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening, your servants are listening. Speak, Lord, your servants are listening. Servants are listening. Lord, we want to know your heart. Lord, we want to know what moves you. To understand what makes you weep. To understand what makes you sing and smile. This will be our life's one quest to seek the one whose love has sought us gazing on your shining beauty all our days speak Lord your servants are listening your servants are listening. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Your servants are listening. Just one word from you, and everything changes. Just one word from you will bring us life. Just one word from you. Just one word from you will bring us life. Just one word from you and everything. 
speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Your servants are listening. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Your servants are listening. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Your servants are listening. Speak, Lord. Your servants are listening. Your servants are listening. You may be seated. Good morning. It is great to be here, and I love that, that song right before a message particularly. Thank you, Amanda, and thank you, team, for leading in that beautiful time of worship this morning. As I come and share at different churches, um, I, I'm very well aware, some of you know exactly what a district superintendent is. You've known that for since longer than I've been alive. But some of you, it's like, what on earth is that? And basically, I just want to say the, what the district does. We are 33 churches in western New York. And just really to affirm that this church is a part of a team of churches, Wesleyan churches in Fillmore, in Cuba, Wellsville, Olean, all, all around the Buffalo area, Hamburg, Eastern Hills, all, all that. And we're working together uh, to accomplish bringing about the kingdom of God. And we're not just with Wesleyan churches, we're working with other churches as well, but we have this, this team that's helping to, to plant churches in case, the, in some cases, the pastors are getting together and, and sort of helping each other grow to become better pastors, uh, training up new, new people, working with places like Hogan College to, to train new people to, to be a part of, of the ministry and the full-time vocational work in the church. But, but it's also just to see the different ethnic groups that we are a part of. I was talking with Jesse um, between the services and just as, uh, their ministry to Native Americans and, and how we have a, a, a ministry on the Cataraugus Reservation an hour from here, we have inner city work. Um, we have a lot of urban and suburban and rural work. But it's all these different churches working together to try to, to, to glorify Jesus Christ and realizing that we can do more together than any one congregation can do by themselves. And so that's, that's the, the joy of being a district superintendent is trying to, to connect the churches and uh, to encourage them to pray for each other and support each other in whatever way you can. And I appreciate the spirit that I've seen in the Houghton Church, just to, to really be supportive, not only the churches around this area, but throughout the, the state, throughout the, the world. Uh, such a, a mission, uh, a joy to serve in, in the work of the gospel. It's the mission team going to Haiti uh, shortly is, is just an example of that. So it is, it is good to be here. I believe in the church. I, I I was one of those guys that was raised in the church. I think from the time I was two weeks old, my, my mom brought me into church, and I've probably been, unless I was sick, in a church almost every Sunday since then. But as I look back, I believe in the church because the church has, has introduced me, number one, to God and, and the, the Holy Spirit that helps me in every minute of my life, but introduced me to the, the principles of Scripture, the truth that, that I have built my life upon. And, and from that, I, I can see not only that 
that, that my life is different. I'm not perfect, not, not one that says, oh, I've got everything down pat, but I, I, I'm striving to build my life on these principles of Scripture. And I see that, that God is starting to, to shape who I am, and not starting, hopefully continuing to, shape who I am and everything about me. And so when I, when I come this morning and have the privilege of, of preaching on the Word of God, on the passage of Scripture that was just read, it is, a, it is a sacred privilege I have that, that I am praying that God will, will use my words to make the words of Scripture come alive for each of you. It may be your first Sunday in church today that you've never been in a church before, never heard the gospel or the this Bible read. Bless you. May, may this really impact you. Maybe this is something you've heard every Sunday of your life like me. But even that, I'm praying that this would be something fresh, something that, that the Holy Spirit, I think, can 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 make something that we read or something that we hear come alive in our life and change everything, that, everything we have. Someone in the early service uh, was talking and read, had looked at the bulletin and said, you know, Matthew 6, He said, that's my life verse. Said, and this is an older gentleman. He said, said I, was, I was trying to decide which way to go and be one thing or another and this paid something and, and to come to Houghton didn't. And, and I went into the subway in New York City and I saw... Seek first the kingdom of God. I said, that changed my life. It's like God was speaking to me. And, and my whole life was changed by this one passage of scripture. And I think that's exciting that we can, can let God change us. And so I want to pray and just ask you to, to bow your hearts with me as we pray. And say, God, if you want to say something to me this morning, I invite you to say that. I invite you to speak for your servants listening. Let's pray. Father, I come to this morning, and I, I need your, your help, uh, that I would be able to say what you want me to say in this, in this next few minutes, not, may not be me saying it, but somehow may your Holy Spirit speak through me, help me select the, the words, the thoughts to express. But I also pray for each one that's sitting in the sanctuary, that, that they would have a heart that is listening. Lord, may they be looking for you to bring them some truth that will help them, that will change them. And so I pray that your spirit would help each of us here together. I pray this in Jesus' name, amen. The passage, you, if you have your Bibles, you want to open up to is Matthew chapter six. You saw the, the extended passage was read. I want to give you that context within which Jesus is teaching because a lot of what he's saying is, is dealing with us in our daily lives. You're worried about something, why are you worried? Don't be anxious about what you'll wear. Don't be anxious about where you'll, you'll live, what you'll, you know, what you'll eat, all the different things. But then he gets down to verse 33, and that's where I want to refocus my attention on, on Matthew 6, 33, where Jesus says, but seek first his kingdom, God's kingdom, and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. Therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own. Now, when someone tells us not to worry, especially if you're in a very stressed out, worrying type of mode, it's not very helpful for someone just to come to you and say, don't worry, don't worry about it. You know, they used to have that song, don't worry, be happy. You know, it's not very helpful. Sometimes it's even annoying for someone to come and say, don't worry, if you're worried about it. But Jesus goes more than just saying, don't be anxious, don't worry. He tells us, number one, why we shouldn't worry, and number two, what we should be doing instead of worry. 
Number one, why we worry is because God knows what you need. And it's God's job to take care of your basic needs. It doesn't mean that he's going to do everything that we want him to do. But it is God's responsibility, he's saying. He knows what you need. He, he takes care of the flowers of the fields. He takes care of, of the birds. He takes care of everything. He can take care of you. And it is, it, is, it is a matter of faith. It's a matter of trust on our part to say, God, I trust that you're going to take care of me. And that is why we shouldn't worry. But number two, he says, why we shouldn't worry is because, um, and we say, that's, that's why. Number two, he says, what we should do instead is, is to seek the things of God and to seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. We're going to be talking about those two things in just a minute. But that that would become our primary pursuit. And as we stop worrying about taking care of ourselves, and we stop, stop worrying about, you know, number one, being me, and start focusing our energy, our efforts on the things of God, then God says, I will, I will take care of what you need. I will, I will provide for you. And so this, this seeking first God's things are, are, is critical for us to trust in him. And as you look throughout scripture, I found as I, as I looked at this passage, that, that seeking of God, seeking his kingdom, seeking his righteousness, seeking his face, there's a lot of different passages in the Bible that, in which we are told to seek God. And, and one passage says, if you seek him with all your heart, you'll be found. He'll be found by you. Another passage, one of my passages talks about renewal in, in 2 Chronicles seven fourteen. It's talking about if my people will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then God says, I'm going to answer the prayer. I'm going to heal their land. I'm going to bring about that renewal that they were seeking. But it's all about that seeking God and, and seeking him first, Jesus says, that this must be your, your primary pursuit. If you look to, to David in Psalm, Psalm 37, verse 4, I think it's saying very similar message to what we see in Matthew 6, 33, where David says, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Now, you may read a passage like that and you get excited saying, God's gonna give me anything I want. That's not exactly what it's saying. Actually, David probably more than anyone else knows that, that God's not it's, not, it's not best. That's not what he's asking God, just to give him whatever he, whatever he desires. For David was one that got his life really in trouble because he desired another man's wife and he had her and he just, it messed up everything about his, his family and his, his, his relationships. So David's not gonna come and say, you know, God's gonna give you anything you desire. That's, that's sort of the things that we, we want maybe. But what David is saying is if we take delight in God, if we seek after the things of God first and foremost, it really gets down to when, when we're talking about seeking God, it is very much taking delight in God, that God would be the thing that you want most, that would be the deepest desire of your heart, the number one factor in any decision you make. The thing you yearn for more than all the other things combined. Seek that first. So I've thought about prayer. One of my questions on prayer is why do we pray? 
Because God knows what we need. Even the passage in Matthew 6 said, God knows what you need before you ask him. So it's not that we're informing God of something that he doesn't know about, and that's why we pray. And it's not that by praying for so long, we are earning a favor. You know, if I pray for an hour, then God's got to answer it because I've, I've spent an hour praying. You know, that sometimes some people have that mentality. Or if I get up at four in the morning to pray, then that's even more God's got to do it. That's very much of a works righteousness. That, that that's not the motivation for prayer. But what prayer in its essence is, is a plea to God. And in prayer, what we do is we open up our heart and say, God, this is my heart's desire. This is what I want. If you could come before God and ask him anything you wanted, this is it. Now, when we do that, we, we become vulnerable. We, we expose ourselves to God and we, we say, God, this is my heart. And sometimes in that experience, we realize our heart does not line up with God's, God's heart. And in that moment, I think what we ought to do is say, God, change me. If the things that I want most are not the things that you want most, then in that moment of prayer, in that moment of relational connection with God, change me so that we can take delight in the Lord, so that we can seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. So when Jesus taught us to pray, he was not saying, here is a set of words that if you repeat this every Sunday or every morning or however often you repeat it, if you just say these words, you're going to have learned to pray. That's not the way in which Jesus taught but I believe what he was teaching was if this becomes your yearning if this becomes your heart desire heart's desire then you'll have learned to pray and so he gives us the Lord's prayer we prayed that earlier in the service it's earlier in this chapter in Matthew 6 verses 9 through 13 at least one of the gospels versions of the Lord's prayer and in this he is saying Start the prayer with worship. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Holy is the name of God. But then look at the first request. When Jesus is teaching us to pray, the first desire, the first prayer, the first request we have before God, your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. I look at, as I've studied this passage, I, I realize sometimes we, we tend to focus more on the giving me my daily bread, the giving things, asking God for things that, that really become very self-centered. But when you start praying, God, may your will be done. Lord, I want your kingdom more than I want my kingdom. Then our heart centers on God. Our desires delight in the Lord. And it is when, when we get to that point, then God gives us the desires of our heart or God provides all that we need, that God is answering our prayer and healing our land. But God is saying, seek me first. Let your heart line up with my heart and that we would, would, we would want God's kingdom more than we want 
anything else. Now, when we hear the word kingdom, we sometimes think in old English king and, you know, the feudal system, and we, we think of this political or geographical kingdom. Perhaps some of Jesus' listeners in that, when he gave the sermon, were thinking the kingdom of Israel is going to be restored as a political kingdom. They're going to overthrow the Romans, and, and they're going to be restored as a nation. But I believe as Jesus taught on the kingdom, it, it, was, it was this understanding that, that your heart would submit to the authority of God that Jesus Christ would be your king and that you would therefore be under his realm, under his reign. And as you willfully choose to, to become a part of God's kingdom, then you are in the kingdom. And it may very well be that in the geographical area, maybe even this, this room, there are some that have surrendered to Jesus Christ and, and God is their king, you are in the kingdom and someone in the pew in front of you has not. They are living for themselves. They're, they're not in the kingdom. So seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first that God would rule and reign in your life is what Jesus is saying. And I think that, that applies first to, to our hearts surrendering and submitting to God. And then we're going to look at the will of God. And then it means that we would seek for God's kingdom to grow. That other people that we influence, other people we, we talk to, we, we, we interact with throughout this week would hear the gospel of Jesus Christ, would understand who God is and what God is wanting to offer to them and would come into his kingdom. May your kingdom come. Jesus said, seek first my kingdom and my righteousness, or his kingdom and God's righteousness. When we talk about the righteousness of God, we, we first of all need to understand that, that none of us are righteous. And no matter how long we've lived for the Lord, no matter how well we know the Bible, you know, Pastor Wes, I'm not righteous. None of us are righteous in our own standing. We, we are covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. It is his righteousness that, that is our hope and judgment. But when Jesus tells us to seek his righteousness, I think there's a part of that in which he is saying that we are to seek for his will to be done in our lives. I think it parallels with that, that prayer in the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. That we would submit and surrender to God's will in every part of our lives is a part of living the righteous life. Romans 8 tells us that basically every one of us has two basic influences. One is the flesh, the selfish nature, the sinful nature. It's translated different ways. But it's that part that just is, is desiring the things of the world, is, is lustful, is greedy, it's is, is, is selfish, is wanting me to be satisfied, and I really don't care if you're satisfied or not. I'm, I'm not concerned about anyone else but the flesh. Or the Spirit of God. The Spirit of God is, is seeking for God's will to be done. It's seeking for the well-being of, of every person on this earth. But most of all, that we would glorify God in our lives. 
And these two influences are, are, are raging in battle in a sense. And we choose, am I going to follow the spirit? Am I going to follow the flesh? And as Romans 8 goes through, he basically says, if you belong to Christ, then you have the spirit in you. And, and I get down to that, that one phrase, if you belong to Christ, I think if you have surrendered your life to Jesus Christ, if you are in the kingdom, if you have said, thy will be done, thy kingdom come, thy will be done, and, and trusted in Jesus Christ, then, then God's spirit is in you. And it's a matter of letting that spirit win the battle, letting him lead you. And when we hear the will of God, sometimes we think just the major milestones, but I think the Holy Spirit guides us as we wake up in the morning and in everything that we do, it's not that he, he micromanages our life, but, but we can, can follow and step with his spirit because there are some times in which we are faced with a dilemma. Am I going to go talk to someone that, that I know is in need and, and needs that help or needs that prayer? Or am I going to do something for myself? And in that moment, we need to choose what God is telling us to do and not the flesh. I remember even when I was in high school, early as a teenager, I just actually I'd gotten my first girlfriend. I, I'd never, I'd liked some girls, but it, never liked the girls that liked me back. You know? So this was a, the first time as probably a 15, 16 year old guy that, that the two combined, I liked her, she liked me. And so we were dating, we were holding hands, you know, we were, we were an item. I don't know what you call it today, but, you know, if you're on Facebook, we're in a relationship. You know, they didn't have it then. So we were girlfriend, boyfriend. And this, for me, was big. It, it, it was special. And I remember as I, as I was bathing in that glory, that God asked me to give that up. And it wasn't an audible voice. I'm not saying that, you know, somehow light, you know, touched by an angel, light came on me and I just was, was like, all right, got to do it. But I knew that God was telling me I got to do this for him. And it was one of those decisive moments. Will you follow what God is telling you to do or will you follow the flesh? Will you do what you want to do? And it was very tempting to me just to do what I want to do because this was... At that stage of my life, this was the biggest thing God could ask me to do. And I remember as I, as my home church down in South Carolina, so I knelt at the altar. And it wasn't during a church service, it was just during the week, but I think I was, I was there for another reason. And I just knelt in an altar in an empty sanctuary and said, God, I'm going to choose to do it your way. Without any explanation, without any real rationale, I, I broke up with this girl. But that was decisive for me because I had chosen to follow God. I had chosen to follow his will. And just a few short years later, so I finally met a cute young freshman here at Houghton College. God blessed that. He knew what I needed. And later we got married on this very spot. And we have been living together, married and happily married for 20, not just living together, but married for... <laughs> For 27, almost 27 years. And I see that principle. Seek first God's kingdom, his righteousness, and he'll provide all. As we delight ourselves in the Lord, he gives us the desires of our heart. So my challenge to you is 
to trust God in this. Not only for your life, but when, when we talk about seeking the kingdom, let me close with this point. It is very much about you looking to be instruments of spreading this gospel to those that don't know him. If the gospel message, if Jesus Christ has changed your life, if he has blessed your life, if, if, if you can say this morning, I have that peace, I'm not worried, I'm not anxious about my future, I'm not worried about death, there's nothing that, that Satan can do to me, I have that joy. We need to be telling that to others. That was given to you not just for yourself, but in God's kingdom that was be given to you so that you can be a witness of Jesus Christ to anyone and everyone that God places in your life. Now some of you think I'm talking about passing out tracts or beating someone over the head with the Bible. I'm not. But will you be sensitive to the Holy Spirit to say whatever God wants you to say and do whatever God wants you to do without being ashamed of the gospel? Yesterday I heard two quick stories. I, I was at a banquet in Buffalo for Athletes in Action and part of the Buffalo Bills um, chaplain's ministry. And they had a football player, Jeff Saturday. Um, he told the story. He was a, a football player at UNC Chapel Hill and a Carolina football player. And he, he anticipated going into pros, and, and, but he's living his life for himself. Just really a very pagan lifestyle as he is describing himself. And um, he said his mother prayed for him. His mother was a devout believer in Jesus. Prayed for him daily nightly, probably through the night sometimes because he was not living anywhere near the right kind of life. And it came to be, he graduated and he didn't even put out any job offers or anything other than pro football. And he's is, is counting on the draft and everyone was thinking, you'll be drafted. And he went through the first day of the draft and he didn't get picked. And, and Mel Kuyper said, you know, Jeff Saturday's the next pick. He's the highest ranked that hadn't been drafted. So the second day, you know, it's four more rounds of the draft, he doesn't get drafted. And so he's just devastated. And he calls his mom up and says, what's going on, mom? And his mom speaks to him very bluntly. He says, so Jeff, you've, you've been given this gift, but you haven't been using it for God. And he's taken it away from you. He's like blown away. So I'm looking for some, some consolation. I'm looking for some encouragement. And you just sort of lay me flat here. But he says, that what, that's what he needed to hear. And God put him at a job. He worked with a Christian man. Still didn't believe yet. He finally did get drafted, went to the, uh, not drafted, but signed by the Indianapolis Colts. And, and he went to the Colts and he started there. And finally God spoke to him in such a clear way. He gave his life to the Lord and has been living his life as a Pro Bowl center in the NFL for many years for Jesus Christ. But his mother's obedience, just to say the hard word to his, her son. Or even last night I was at the athletic banquet here. And one of the baseball players talked about a freshman here at the college telling him about Jesus Christ. He had heard, you know, but really he saw it in a freshman as he is an upperclassman. And I just thought there's, there's ways in which we have influence on people and just will you be obedient to be who God wants you to be, to say what God wants you to do. Will you seek the kingdom of God? Will you seek to, for the kingdom of God to come? In your, in your circle of friends, will you pray daily for those that don't know Christ? Or if you're not sure if they know Christ, just that they, they would be sure. Will you pray for your neighbors? It's been one of the burdens God's laid on my heart as the district superintendent. I can get a lot into just church business. 
I can do a lot with churches. I'm, I'm not working a lot with non-Christians. I'm working with not just churches, but the pastors and the leaders of the churches. And God says, you need to be about leading people to Jesus that don't know me. And God's made that a part of my daily prayer. It's been part of my pursuit, my neighborhood, my friends that don't know Christ. And I'm praying for each of our pastors. And I pray for you that God would use you to spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what it means by seek first his kingdom. When Jesus says to pray, thy kingdom come, is that your first desire? Is that the thing that shapes what you do in a week? I pray that it is. I pray that you will see, see God using you to spread the good news of his kingdom and that others will be a part of the kingdom because you were obedient, because you were speaking to someone else on campus. You were speaking to someone else about who, what Jesus has done for you and what it means for him to be Lord of your life. Let me pray for you. Father, we need your Holy Spirit to do any of this, but I pray that we would be willing that we would desire, change our heart's desires away from selfish pursuits, away from just making money or having a, a good life or a comfortable whatever. Away from that, because sometimes your will takes us through hardships, but let us do what you want us to do for your kingdom and make us righteous. May we be witnesses for Jesus Christ to all who need to know him. I pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. God bless you. Let's stand as we sing together. We see the hand of God in the light of creation's grand design, in the lives of those who prove his faithfulness, who walk by faith and not by sight. By faith our fathers roam the earth with the Triumph. 
this mountain shall be moved, and the power of the gospel shall prevail, for we know in Christ all things are possible. the benediction. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you now and forevermore. Amen.